Good morning. Welcome to Great Commission Community Church. It is so good to be here with you today. Uh, we know that God invites us to be with him always and to be his people together. Um, so it's so good to worship here with you. Today is the fifth Sunday of Lent. 
every week and every day, actually, but especially during Lent, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who gave himself to die for our sakes. Um, this is Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. Amazingly, this psalm is talking about us. We are the blessed people that this psalm talks about because we are forgiven of our collective sin. One definition of sin um, you could consider is missing the mark that God has set as targets for our lives. So the mark that we target is to love God and others, but we sometimes miss it, and we know that. However, our sins are forgiven, covered, and not counted against us through Jesus Christ who died for us. This Jesus who died said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. This is his call to us to worship, to come to him and experience his Holy Spirit who gives relief to our souls like water gives relief to a thirsty person. So as you are able, please stand with us. Indeed, we know his spirit is here with us. Yo 
we know that you say in Psalm 32, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Lord, we come before you and before one another with humility, not covering up the fact that we all sin and miss the mark that you set for us. We all fail to love you and honor you the way that you deserve. We fail to love others and treat them with the honor they deserve as people who are made by you and precious to you. But God, as people who live a life in Christ, we also acknowledge that your spirit is alive in us, putting away our lack of love and all the things of a life apart from you. God, you give us a totally new self and a new community recreated to look like you in true righteousness and holiness. 
We are your workmanship and handiwork created for a life like Christ. Lord and Father, please renew us and draw us to yourself. Church, take a moment using your own words to ask God to renew your spirit and our collective spirit to come near to him. give us a love for you that would that would sweeten all our obedience to you again church take a few minutes to, to, to confess to God about ways that our obedience does not feel sweet or joyful telling God we need to know his love to make it sweet and joyful We're here turning from and taking off our old self again. And in faith, God, we put on our new self, our new life in you. We put on a life of self-control. We put on kindness and caring for others generously. We put on tenderheartedness, forgiving one another as you have forgiven us. We put on patience and hope. And we take up life together with you, God, and our family in Christ, here in this room and all over the globe. Church, take another minute to use your own words um, to put on this kind of new self that Jesus gives us. you also say in Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Lord, we confess that we are blessed people because our failures and shame don't define us, but because Jesus' sacrifice covers our sin and transforms us into new people who live in your love. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. We thank you, God, for this amazing blessing. Amen. Amen. Church, it's so good to be here with you. We know the spirit of Jesus is here with us. So it's important for us to say that um, so that we know why we're here together. So please take a minute as you're finding your seat to turn to someone and simply say, the spirit of Jesus is here with us.
Okay, we're actually going to hear from um, our senior pastor, Pastor Steve, who will be sharing some community announcements, and then Pastor Carl will come up. Welcome. Uh, welcome to Great Commission Community Church. Uh, if you are visiting us for the first time or, or coming back for a second or third visit, we are so glad you're here uh, with us. Uh, let me highlight a few things that are happening in our church community. Um, first, uh, we have a weekly prayer meeting over Zoom on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Uh, we believe that prayer is a, a important part of our Christian life. And so we gather to pray, pray for different topics, pray for one another, and we would love to see you there. Um, again, this helps us to just be connected to Christ and be connected to one another. Um, secondly, we are hosting a marriage conference called Soulmate. Um, just want to make sure that, that you know that this is our conference, meaning this is for our church folks, uh, couples at our church, and their friends. And so if you have friends who might be interested in learning more about what it means to be, uh, I don't know, a good husband or wife, or how to communicate, how, how to resolve conflicts, yeah, please do consider inviting them to this. Um, we do have a speaker who will come. He's going to lead uh, this time uh, using a tool called SDI. It's, it's a tool that, um, that helps us to understand uh, our motivations. And so hopefully this will help us to learn some things about ourselves, uh, about our spouses. I think it will enhance our communication skills and also help, help us to manage conflicts better. Um, and I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun because we'll be together with other couples at our church, um, just encouraging one another. And, and hopefully there'll be a lot of laughter and um, just learning together. And so if you're interested, uh, please do sign up. The deadline to register is uh, April 14th. Um, we, uh, our church offers a resource called Right Now Media. Uh, we just want to make sure that uh, enough people are using this resource and, and find this to be helpful. So if you are using this resource consistently and you find it helpful, please let one of our pastors know. Uh, if not, we will most likely cancel our uh, subscription and utilize our resources some, somewhere else. Um, baptism service is coming up. Baptism service will be on May 14th. Uh, this is a joint service at Marshall High School. Uh, this is uh, it's, it's going to be a, a time when we get to celebrate what God is doing in the midst of us. We'll get, we'll get to uh, see people uh, uh, professing their faith and, and getting baptized. And so I want to just, I want to invite you to come out to this. Um, I think this is probably one of the, the, the highlights of our church uh, ministry calendar. Um, it's going to be a time where we celebrate and again, just worship and, and just hear from one another of God's goodness. And so please mark this date down on May 14th and please join us uh, for this. Uh, there will be a lunch uh, afterwards as well. So it'll be a good time of fellowship and just encouraging one another as we acknowledge uh, and, and see what, what God is doing in the midst of us. Uh, if you do want to get baptized, there is a baptism class, and this happens, or this starts on April 9th, and it goes on for five sessions. Uh, we just want to make sure that when you do get baptized, uh, that um, that you're prepared well. And so we will walk with you, uh, talking about 
uh, meaning of baptism and why why it's important and uh, make sure that you are prepared. And so if you are interested in getting baptized, please uh, sign up online for this class. The deadline to sign up is uh, April 8th. And there's also a class for our teens and our kids. If you do want to get baptized, there's also a class for you. And so you could also register online for that as well. <laughs> Crickets. Um, well, um, just one thing to add to what Pastor Steve just told us about. Um, we are going to uh, have a Good Friday service. So um, Good Friday is the Friday before Easter. So it's called Good Friday. Um, it's a little bit of a weird um, adjective um, because it is a Friday that we celebrate Jesus' death. And so we focus very hard on, on Jesus' death um, that day, actually that afternoon. But we're going to be together, not in the afternoon, but later that evening at 7 o'clock. So we'll be here in the Doubletree in our normal room on the other side of the lobby. And so um, please join us at 7. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's Friday. And it's going to be uh, our Tyson's friends are going to be coming and joining us here as well. So um, it should be a good time just to focus on uh, his death as we... Um, celebrate this weekend of death and resurrection. So that's April 7th, um, Friday, and Easter being April 9th. Um, I don't know if it needs to be said, but just in case, um, that day as well as Easter Sunday, as well as like any time, um, please be encouraged to just, you know, bring a friend or if, if there's anyone you think might be interested or might just benefit from, you know, just coming and just seeing what's it all, what it's all about, or just sending them a link to our YouTube um, channel, please do. Um, we just want to encourage you to do that. Um, actually, especially Easter Sunday, you know, um, so I don't know. People might be a little bit more open to it. Like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll try that out. Um, so that's uh, happening um, over that weekend, April 7th through 9th. Um, okay, well, let me just start our sermon by saying that um, the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, give us a pair of continual motivations to live in Christ and to stay living in Christ, to keep living in Christ. One is looking back to the past, and the other is looking forward to the future. So I'm going to start with just sharing about myself personally, um, a story from my life that I think explains uh, how I started following Christ seriously and how I've continued to do that. It's a story from my childhood. Um, so I'm the baby of my family. Um, so I, I have uh, four kids total. So I'm the fourth. And um, my siblings are, are like seven to ten years older than me. So they're all bunched together. There's a gap and then there's me. And um, yeah, there, there's a line in this um, poem that I like. It talks about the chronic angers of that house that he grew up in. And um, that's what I felt in my house. Uh, a lot of stress, a lot of fighting, and I learned early to swallow my own feelings, my own sadness, my own problems, because I didn't want to add stress to the house. Um, 
So that was like little Carl, like just, uh, you know, just better to stay quiet, you know? And um, in my early teens, like I'm talking when I was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, um, I heard Jesus' words in the Bible about how to follow him means to love him more than anything else. And I took that very seriously. Um, I didn't obey it perfectly uh, or anywhere near perfectly, but that's what I wanted to do. And part of wanting that was studying the Bible, like praying, and, and really through those things, experiencing God's presence. And it changed my life because um, I had felt so alone. Like, not lonely, because there are people around, um, but alone. Like, no one knew my feelings. No one knew what I was thinking. No one knew what bothered me. No one outside my family knew the things that were happening inside my family. Um, my parents also put a lot of pressure on me with school, and especially like in middle school and high school. I felt that my parents' acceptance of me, maybe their love for me, was conditional and really dependent on me doing well in school. I don't think that was true, but that's how I felt at the time. Um, maybe some of you guys who are that age are like, that's me, I feel that. Um, I love you, really. <laughs> my kids, I love you. Um, but... Um, you know, in God, I found someone who, like, knew me so completely, knew my history, knew my present, knew my future, knew and was so familiar with all my sadness, all my anxieties, all my flaws, all my grades that were not A's, and accepted me totally and was so close to me, who even died to bring me close to him with full acceptance. You know, I was so grateful. I was so, like, sweetly broken by that. And I felt such, like, deep, like, rest. You know, when Jesus talks about, I'll give you rest for your souls, like, I think I, I know what that feels like, or a taste of it at least. Like, I found such deep rest and joy and love. And in all the ups and downs of teen life, I felt that constant love. And the thing is, like, 30 years later, like now, I still bring it up with God. You know, I still say sometimes, like, you know, I remember how you treated me back then. And that was a long time ago, but I still think about it. And I remember what you gave me. You know, it's like I'll always be grateful. Like, I, I can't repay God, but, like, I owe him. And God tells us, this is Romans 13, that we shouldn't have any debt outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. It's a debt we owe him. And that helps me love people. And God tells us as Romans 2 that his kindness leads us to repentance. And experiencing his kindness has led me to live a life in Christ. Like we talk about during Lent. The old life put away, the new life taken up. And I think that's a picture of how we who follow Christ look back to the past to help us stay in Christ. But we also look to the future as well, to help us stay in Christ. And I think this is a unique thing about Christ and Christian faith. It's not just being thankful about what we've experienced, like in the here and now. It's also a call to wait. To follow Christ means to wait. Because actually those good things that we experience and that we have experienced are just like tastes, like little morsels, like appetizers, small appetizers, happy hour appetizers for the good things that we're waiting for. You know, like when, when Christ actually came 2,000 years ago, the first time, people thought, this is it. Like resurrection, all things new. God's kingdom is here, like fully. But then Christ was like, we still have to wait. You know, there are things that God has done, but there are things that God will do. There is kindness God has shown, but there is kindness God will show. 
In the past, Christ came with radical, crazy, deep solidarity with us as humanity, shown in his life and his teaching, his death for us and in his resurrection. And in the future, Christ will come again to complete his making everything new when his ways will be our ways fully with all the things that he loves and does, goodness, justice, mercy, kindness, faithfulness, peace, love. So God's kindness, past and future, not just the past, but past and future, leads us to repentance because of what we see looking back and what we see looking forward, we have this continuing debt to love God and love one another. And Mark 13 is a passage that we're going to look at, be looking at today. It's a picture of the future that helps us look forward and helps us find ourselves staying in Christ even when it's hard. Amen? Please turn with me to Mark 13. Okay. Um, I'm just going to pray before we read. Father God, we call you Father because of your Holy Spirit in us. Um, a spirit, you say, is a, sp a spirit of sonship, a spirit of being like Roman times, you know, sons, heirs, right? children that inherit from their parents. And Lord, um, we are so thankful how we've inherited a life uh, free of condemnation from you, a life in your love that is so, like, rock-like. Lord, that we're convinced that nothing in this world, nothing in all creation, the past, the present, the future, life, death, nothing will be able to separate us from your love. And we hold on to that with all our hearts, Lord. God, as we look into your word, as we listen to you, as we think and meditate together on your word, let that spirit who delivers us from fear, that spirit who makes so firm in our spirits your love, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to us, strengthen us, cause us to love what you've done in the past and cause us to love what you will do to keep us close to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, this is a challenging passage to understand, um, so there's a lot of scholarship on this, um, lots of questions and sort of answers that are like best we can do, um, but we'll do what we can here, all right? Amen? Yeah. All right, Mark 13, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. And as Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, by the way, this is what we read two Sundays ago, this, just this last two verses here in this section, but then we're going to read the rest of chapter 13 today. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, Teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. So they're looking at this beautiful, like somewhat like somewhat newly renovated, like in that time, in the past, like in that last like 30, 50 years, this temple had gone under, undergone like a tremendous renovation. It's beautiful. What wonderful buildings, what wonderful stones. And Jesus said to him about, or said to him about this um, temple in Jerusalem, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Verse 3, and as he sat at the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, this is later, and he can see the temple from this kind of hill vantage point, 
Peter and James and John and Andrew, four of his disciples, asked him privately, verse 4, tell us, when will these things be? Like, when is this temple going to be destroyed like this? When will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Like, when are we going to know what's about to happen? When is it going to happen? And when, we're, when are we going to know what's happening? And Jesus began to say to them, watch. Be on your guard. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. All right, I'm just going to pause here just to give us a little framework of what we're going to read the rest of this chapter. So verse 5 to verse 23, and then verse 28 to 31, seems, it seems like they are about the destruction of the Jerusalem temple that happens in 70 AD, 70 AD. Jesus is predicting that destruction. Um, and it parallels, like that, what happens to the temple parallels what happens when Jesus returns, which is in the further future, which he talks more specifically about verse, in verse 24 to 27, and then again in verse 32 to 37. So one more time, it seems like verse 5 to 23 and then 28 to 31 are about what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD, and verse 24 to 27 and then 32 to 37 are about what will happen when Jesus returns. So Jesus is talking about two different events here. They have a lot of parallel, and, and they sort of bleed into each other, and that's where the scholarship has a lot of questions is how much do they bleed into each other and so on, but they're two different events. So they're both in the future to Jesus' disciples here, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, but to us who are reading right now, um, one's in the past and one's still in the future. Okay. Um, so let me just start again. Jesus began to say, them, say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Watch, be on your guard, that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. That is, there are many false messiahs. We're going to see this again in verse 21. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. It's like labor pains because it's about to happen, this destruction of Jerusalem. But be on your guard. Watch. See. Be on your guard. For they will deliver you to councils, and you will be, be beaten in synagogues this is in Jerusalem and, and right around Jerusalem. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. By the way, you're like... Wait, but did the gospel get proclaimed to all nations in 70 A.D. or right before 70 A.D.? And um, actually, that's, that's sort of a phrase that we see in the New Testament. Like specifically, if you, we're not going to look it up, but um, Colossians 1, Paul actually says, you know that the gospel has reached all the nations. You know, this is in Paul's life. Okay? Verse 11. And when they uh, bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So you might be like, wait, is, it is that talking about like 70 or is that talking about like now? Is that talking about like when Jesus comes again? I mean, again, it's, it might just bleed over into both events. But here for sure he's talking about 70 AD, like at least primarily. 
Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation, this is a phrase from Daniel, the book of Daniel, the prophet, standing where he ought uh, not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, but nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his jacket or his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. So Jesus is saying it's going to be terrible. Right before 70 AD, it's going to be terrible. Is this hyperbole? Possibly. But the idea is we're, it's going to be terrible. For in those days, there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the chosen or the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is a Christ or here is a Messiah, like Christ is just a Greek word for Messiah, which is a Hebrew word. They're both, they both just mean anointed one. Look, here is a Messiah, and look, there he is. Do not believe it. And in that era of ancient, like, Israelite history, there's a lot of people who claim to be the Messiah. Verse 22, for false Christ's messiahs and false prophets will arise and even perform signs and wonders, Jesus says. They'll perform, they will perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on your guard. Watch. I have told you all these things beforehand. All right, let's just continue. Um, there's a transition here to talking about something later in the future, beyond 70. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven. So you, like, you think that was bad. There's gonna, it's just going to be even, even more like destruction. The stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. By the way, see, you can see, I'm just, we're not looking at all these, especially because we're reading such a, a long passage here in Mark, but uh, Hebrews 12, um, like 26, and the verses right around there help explain this part. Basically, um, this is a, a, a reference to the prophet Haggai that Hebrews talks about, and then Jesus seems to be uh, referring to here, but it's this idea that all things in creation, everything that was not meant to last forever, will like, be gone. It, and the phrase they use, the image is shaken. Like, we're shaking everything, and everything that's not, like, kind of held down um, will be lost, okay? Um, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and that's him talking about himself. So this is how we know this section. He's not talking about the temple being destroyed in 70. He's talking about his own return. And they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. And then we see this going back to talking about 70 A.D. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. That is, it's going to happen in this generation. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then now he's going to transition back to his future coming in verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Watch. 
keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Be on your guard. Keep awake. Watch, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his uh, servants in charge, each with his work, and commands a doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And that is what I say to you, or, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Why does Jesus tell us about all these things? Why does Mark think it's, think it's important enough to make it one whole chapter in a 16-chapter book? I mean, it seems like long. Um, but I just want to offer like three truths as we kind of think through this passage. I want to offer three truths for us to take from this. Um, by the way, if you're taking notes, the title of the sermon is Waiting. Waiting. Three, three truths for us to take from this. Three truths. That's really hard to say. Three truths that, are, that we can take from this. Number one, we wait because Jesus is coming. Okay, number one, we wait because Jesus is coming. He is coming. Okay, he is coming. He came to us, and that's what we celebrate like at Christmas. He came to us, but he's also going to come to us. And all things will be made new. This world will be transformed. It's going to be shaken and remade. It's going to be torn up and rebuilt. It's going to be deconstructed and constructed. Things here don't last forever. Amen? I know, it's sort of like a pensive amen, like, mm, yeah, mm, indeed. Um, things here don't last forever, and we, we honor him. We owe him for what he will do because it is going to be beautiful, and it's beyond us but we know it's going to be good and beautiful. We wait because we know Jesus is coming again. We wait because we know he's coming again. But it's very tempting to think that Jesus will not come again. It might not be the most hopeful, but it's tempting. And it, it's hard, I think, because it, like, it's tempting to not think or sort of stop believing or sort of kind of delude our belief because waiting for Christ requires us to believe in the supernatural. It requires us to believe in resurrection and ascension and divine power that is beyond the scope of our imagination in dimensions of this universe like we can't understand, like a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, twentieth dimension. That we, it's just beyond us. And we read about it in Scripture and it's just surreal to us. You know, most of us, we're just too Western. Like, we're too educated. We're too scientific. It's easier for us to believe and work with the belief that the world will be remade and we will be remade through elections and education reform and corporate reform and new legislation and so on. And, I mean, this is not untrue. But the lasting change, the, cha the, the thing that cannot be shaken, the deep and beyond our imagination change that Jesus calls us to believe in, this change will happen when Jesus returns. And we're called to wait for it with faith. You know, by the way, among Christians, you'll often find, if, you'll find often like three types of solutions to any kind of widespread societal program, uh, problem, like affliction or problem, whatever, ill in our society. 
So let's just take, for example, like violence in a particular section of the city. One Christian solution typical of, you know, kind of like um, maybe older evangelicals is to say that we have to impact each individual life and to save one soul at a time. And eventually the violence will decrease. A second solution, also typical of, you know, an, an, another tradition of Christians, is to address, like, the many unjust systems that produce this violence. Okay, we recognize this. There's, there's systemic, there's structural problems. And we have to be aware of that, and we address that. A third solution, and, we, and people who do that, Christians who do that, take into deep account, like, the nature of sin and how widespread, and how sin is not just an individual affliction, but it's a, it's a climate that we live in. It's a world that we live in. And a third solution, typical of other Christian traditions, especially like Pentecostal traditions, is that we have to like pray out demonic influence in this area of the city. So which one is right? Which one should we do? Well, I think biblically it seems that all have their place and actually all overlap with one another. The demonic is real but so is a systemic, and so is sin in the individual soul. The Bible talks about all the, the realities of all three, and all three collaborate. So which problem has to be dealt with for the kind of flourishing that Jesus envisioned for humanity, for us, for this world, for my life, for our life together? Which problem will Jesus solve when he returns? All of them. And as we are part of giving and knowing tastes of Jesus' kingdom, that kingdom to come, we minister to individuals. We minister to systems. We minister, well, not minister to the demonic, but we deal with the demonic. And when Jesus returns, he will deal with all of these in a way that is amazing and terrifying and decisive and beyond our current imagination. And sort of a close parallel is what happened to Jerusalem in 70. But it's much more than that. It's that times a million. Number two, we wait. Number one, we wait because we know Jesus is coming. Number two, we wait because we don't know when Jesus will come. We don't know when Jesus will come. I'm just going to read verse 32 and verse 33 again. Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Watch. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Jesus' logic is nobody knows, so you guys always got to be ready. Like if you knew, if you sort of knew, you could sort of hedge and like be like, I'm not, I don't need to be ready now, but like when I see, no, 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 then I'll be ready. So no, be ready all the time because no one knows. And so we say to ourselves, we say to one another, don't try to predict. No one knows. And there's a long history in the church, of people trying to predict. And we still see it today. You could go to the bookstore and probably find some books predicting. You know, like, hey, I found this magic code, you know, whatever. No one knows. All right, Jesus said, no one knows. So just be ready all the time. You know, so when people are like, oh, such and such thing happened, so Jesus is coming soon, you know? Like, it's a very kind of holy-sounding kind of thing to say. Like, oh, you know, all these wars, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, all the missionaries being sent out. Jesus is coming soon. You know, like they're talking about self-driving cars and free public Wi-Fi. Jesus is coming soon. You know, whatever. You know, Taylor Swift is collaborating with Bon Iver. Kyrie is joining Luca. 
oh my gosh, Jesus is coming soon, you know? No, like, don't be a predictor. No one knows. No one knows. Always be ready. If the world on the, you know, is going to pieces, be ready. If things seem to be on the upswing, like lots of good things happening in the world, like there's a peace treaty, or all of a sudden scientists are like, we stopped global warming, you know, whatever. Like, be ready. We don't know when. Number one, we wait because we know he's coming. And it's beautiful and amazing and beyond this, but he's coming. It's going to be destructive, but it's going to be so constructive. Number two, we wait because we don't know when he's coming. And number three, we wait, but it can be hard to wait. This is what Jesus says, be watchful. Be on your guard. Verse 5, verse 9, verse 23, verse 33. It's all the same word in Greek. Watch out. Be careful. Be on your guard. Throughout the New Testament, we read these exhortations to be watchful, to be patient, and to endure. Again, we're not going to read all these passages, but Hebrews 11, 1 Thessalonians 5, and we could give a very long list of passages, and we realize that this waiting for Christ is such a big part of the whole Bible. Such a big part of the whole Bible. Hey, just real quick, with like point, like a subpoint A and B, real quick. Subpoint A, Jesus' return, like the hope of our faith, is not my own individual salvation. That's part of it, but that's a small part of it. So let's not be like that. Let's not be that Western and that individualistic and be like, oh, all that matters is I'm going to go to heaven. No. That's too small. That's, not, that's too small for what Jesus tells us. And then subpoint B, the cosmos are involved here. Like sun, moon, stars. It's not just about me. It's not just about the afterlife going to heaven. It's about this world being dismantled and being recreated. Let's have a big gospel, big good news. Amen? Yes. All right, okay. We wait, but it can be hard to wait. Waiting for Christ, not waiting for our death and going to heaven, hopefully, not waiting for, like, something to happen to me individually, but waiting for Christ is such a big part of the Bible. Why do you need endurance? Why do you need patience? Because the Bible talks about these things over and over again. Be patient, endure, because it can be hard to wait. It can be hard to wait It can be hard to keep trusting because it's so supernatural, because it's already taken so long, because in some ways it's easier just to sort of sell out and be sort of like asleep, as the Bible calls it. It can be easier, especially in our culture or maybe every culture, just to focus on myself and my own needs and my own career and my life. It can be hard to wait, but that's what Jesus and all these Bible writers talk about. They know it can be hard to wait. I think if they didn't know that, they wouldn't write about it. They know it can be hard to wait, and Jesus knows that, and he encourages us, encourages us, he strengthens us to wait. I know it's hard to wait, but we wait together. There's a lot of people around us. Hebrews calls it a great cloud of witnesses around us who have been waiting too. And let's be part of that great cloud of witnesses waiting 
yeah, it can be hard to believe, but this is what we do. It's a beautiful life. And just in closing, three things to help us when it's hard to wait. Three things to help us when it's hard to wait. Three very concrete things to help us when it's hard to wait. And it's hard to wait. Number one, go to church. Number one, go to church. Church, every, every Sunday, this is where we rehearse Jesus' story of the past and the future. This is where, like, where else in your, in your week, where else, like, in a month, do you, like, not just hear the story of Christ and, like, what he's done in the past and what he's going to do in the future, but you actually are part of saying it and singing it and praying it. Like, where else? I mean, maybe some of you guys have answers. Like, I'd like to know. Like, man, that sounds great. Let's go. You know, but we for sure do it here every Sunday. Comes, we need that because it can be hard to wait when it's easier just to kind of stop waiting, stop at least actively waiting. We need this. You know, sometimes church is like a gym because, you know, you go to the gym because you want your body to look a certain way, to feel a certain way. And we come to church to shape us, like to shape ourselves to look a certain way, to live a certain way. That's what we do here. We practice being like Christ. We practice being a waiter on Christ's return. We need this. We need this. Like, you know, we've been talking, as we go through Mark, we've been talking about, like, religion and how religious people don't do well with Jesus. So when I say, like, go to church or, like, keep coming, I guess, for all of you who are here, <laughs> you know, like, keep coming to church. I mean, I'm not saying that as, a, like, a religious thing. I hope it's not a religious thing, at least. It's not like, oh, you got to go to church, you know, because there's a rule, you got to go to church. Like, I don't think Jesus doesn't seem to care about those things, you know. But we need this. Like, we need this. Like, I think it, I, like, to wait, to live a life of waiting when it's hard to wait, try to do that by yourself, to try to do that without, like, regular practice of that, without, like, anyone kind of helping you along in that. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just really hard. It's really good for us to be together. So keep, keep coming out. Amen? Amen? Keep coming out. Don't be religious. Just keep coming out. Let's wait together. All right? Maybe that could be our thing for Sundays. Hey, you want to come to church with me on Sunday and just wait together? You know, that's what we do. Uh, like, what are we waiting for? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> okay, let me tell you all about it. Okay, uh, number two, uh, another practical thing to help us when it's hard to wait. Pray for Jesus to come regularly. Make it a regular feature of your prayer life. Make it a regular feature of your prayer life. And I don't know if that's something that you say much or say often. Like, Jesus, please come soon. Jesus, I'm waiting for you. Jesus, I want you to come soon. Jesus, we long for your return. But I think that prayer is like the mother of all Christian prayer. Like, that is the ultimate prayer to pray. I mean, we can pray for things. We can pray for healing. We can pray for changes in 
the, the world. We can pray for changes in ourselves, in our families, and so on, in our workplaces, in our industries. But ultimately, they're foretastes of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And we're saying, Jesus, come. So number one, go to church. Number two, pray for Jesus to come. Make that a part of your prayer life. And number three, very quickly, if you're into predictions, like predictions about Jesus, stop. Okay, all right, let's pray. Um, you know, I just want us to just, um, just respond just first, um, just kind of in your own way, whatever kind of has um, come up in your mind. Uh, as we think about these um, verses from Mark 13. Expressing your um, the thanks for what's happened in the past. Maybe expressing your thanks for what will happen in the future. You know, saying, Lord, you're so beautiful. And the way we live our life is sort of like us showing that we owe you. Maybe it's just the idea, like, Jesus, we want you to come. We want you to come soon. We want you to recreate my life and our life together, this world. Just take a moment. We'll just, you know, just take a moment here and just in your own way, just respond to, the, to this word. If if you're someone who's just not really used to praying, you're not quite sure how to, uh, just invite you to just use, you know, just simple words, whatever you're thinking. God is here, and he cures us. Before we take communion, we, um, we've been saying this uh, during Lent, and then we will keep doing it during the Easter season, um, which is like April and, and May. Um, we're going to be just saying this very short summary of Christ's story, very short summary of Christ's story. It goes, um, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And um, let's just say that with thankfulness. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Um, I, I'll, there, this is the way we introduce it lately. The mystery of our faith is great. By the way, remember, mystery is not the like true crime, like solving something, but mystery is just like beyond our understanding. The mystery of our faith is great. And then let's say this together. And let's say it with. <laughs> I know I'll, I'll make you say it a second time if it's not uh, like it doesn't feel positive enough. All right, <laughs> but uh, let's say this: uh, the mystery of our faith is great. Sounded good. I know you can just hear each other, but when I see it's like I see smiles. That's, that's so good. Anyway, <laughs> um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, This is my body broken for you. And he took the cup. And he took this cup and he said, This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. And as we take this bread and as we take this cup, we remember Christ's death. 
until he returns. Christ came, and he is coming again. And as we celebrate this, with this bread and this cup, we remember what he's done, and we look forward to what he'll do. So let's take it, just like we said this, with thankfulness, with gratefulness, um, with just love for his beauty. Uh, so I invite you now. Um, the elements are in the back over there as well as on the side over here. Um, and so we'll start, um, we'll, the musicians will come up, we'll sing a, a song or two to close. But uh, I invite you now, uh, let's just take this cup and this, um, this bread and be thankful to the Lord.
everyone who's waiting. Um, let's keep waiting. Uh, as we um, leave from here, um, we don't just leave, we're sent out. And um, I'm just going to read uh, just a few verses from the end of Romans 8. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, just before we're sent out, just, I invite you to just take a moment and just kind of say an amen in your heart to that. We know that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, we thank you for how you strengthen us with grace and with love and with beauty. Lord, strengthen us to wait for you well, to anticipate your coming, to be awake, like you say, and to long for your return. Friends, as we wait, we wait with many, and we wait with the Holy Spirit, with the Father and the Son. Let's go out from here, help others to do the same point people to the beauty and the recreation of our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope to see you again soon.